0: Hi, this is Rachel Fisher. And this is Desi Jenakin. And we host the Hollywood Crime Scene Podcast. We're really excited to tell you about the best Christmas ever on AMC plus where every day feels like Christmas morning from new holiday favorites like Elf and National Lampoon's Christmas vacation to modern and iconic family classics. You can spend the holiday season opening only the good stuff and with new series episodes, movies and fresh content arriving every week. AMC plus is the gift that keeps on giving all year long. Sign up today at amcplus.com. AMC Plus, only the good stuff.
1: Hello and welcome to the Football Grad Podcast. I'm your host, Manu Oveff, and joining me as always, Happy New Year, Tim. We haven't spoken in a while, and and Happy Christmas, Orthodox Christmas to you. Just yesterday, I believe, right? How is it going going in Vancouver? How are things?
2: Well, things are great, but we still miss you. Uh, Vancouver is not the same without you, my friend, but uh, yeah, thank you so much for the... uh, uh russian christmas and uh, to all the listeners it's yeah russian christmas six on the seventh and the seventh is a christmas day so yesterday was uh
1: christmas yeah well, so merry christmas to all our russian followers and everyone else who was of course uh following the orthodox faith um merry christmas happy new year and i guess that's for you as well right andrew you have a russian family i guess yesterday and the, the, the last few yeah. days in general a big christmas time for you
3: yeah i'm kind of lucky really because i get two new years and two christmases so um yeah win win really but um yeah we had a had our um we tried to make a traditional um russian christmas dinner for my wife over here in england so uh yeah it was uh, good fun family time but uh yeah back to the bread and butter of our life which is the football grab podcast
1: yeah that's right new year means new podcast so yeah we had a little bit of a break it's understandable um you know, all of us in Christmas holidays, New Year's, etc. So this is our first podcast in the Football Grad podcast in the new year. Of course, the other other podcasts on the network have been up and running again because, you know, football is is alive and well in, in places like Germany and Mexico that we also cover. And uh, therefore, we are already back in action in those podcasts. Not quite so the case yet in Russia or Ukraine. Uh, those places uh, will be in a long and nice winter break till February. Which means, you know, we, we took it a little bit slow over Christmas, so breaks are nice. But um, January 1st, of course, also means big transfer news, doesn't it, boys? And um, we have to start with perhaps the player who's always the biggest transfer news every transfer window, but has not gone anywhere. And, you know, he's probably, together with another player that we're going to decide discuss later on, the biggest transfer target in Russian football right Andrew and that's Fedor Smolov and he's someone that you have been tracking for a long long time and it appears that every transfer window we talk about Fedor Smolov leaving Krasnodar and every transfer window it hasn't happened it kind of reminds me a little bit of Andrei Yamolenko who finally did yeah. us a favor and did move but it does seem like a bit of an eternal story where are we at right now with Fedor Smolov Andrew?
3: Well, you're absolutely right that it's a permanent link with him to Western Europe the last two years at least. Um the, late, the latest it really is that he, he's not gone yet, but I've, I've seen a lot of heavy talk linking him to, almost disappointingly, to Zanit and Spartak. Now, I don't know how much there there is in that, but the fact that the rumours are coming at all, however substantiated or not they may be, is, is almost a bit concerning because he is... Of the Russian national players, he is the most marketable player, I'd say, arguably, him alongside possibly Alexander Golovin or Alexander Kokorin, but something tells me Kokorin's not so motivated to move to Europe, whereas Smolov has made noises about it. Um there were links, of course, about a year, eighteen months ago to Borussia Dortmund, but you know, that that didn't come about and Alexander Isaac signed, and then Yarmolenko, of course. Um and Smolov now really is—I mean, there were links to West Ham, but they apparently the word serious There was a bid that was refused, and of course we've seen um, uh, Igor Shalimov saying, "Well, it's up to up to you whether you want to go to West Ham." That's not really moving any further forward, as far as we can tell. So it actually looks like it's going to be certainly not an urgent move. Um, and actually, I think it's probably for the best. In the summer, would be better. Um, I don't want him to end up, sort of having to adapt to a new a new team, new culture, um, uh, with so so little time before the World Cup. But well, we'll see. But at the moment, it's looking like it's he'll have to wait a bit longer for that dream move.
1: Yeah, Tim, you know, Sanid half signed Anton Sarbulotny from uh, Tosno, and you know, we, we we speculated that that is probably the end of uh, Artem Tuba. Do they even need? A striker like Fido Smolov. When you look at the lineup, the way uh, Mancini is playing, that team, it's often Kokorin at the very top, and Kokorin has been scoring like there is no tomorrow. Like, do they really need someone like Smolov? Uh, you know, make a big money signing like Smolov. Is that even something that's necessary? Or and what what about Smolov going to to Europe at this stage? You know, six months before a World Cup, it seems a little risky. Um, is there even a chance you could just stay at Krasnodar?
3: I
2: think there is a chance that he can stay in Krasnodar or maybe stay in Russia. Because I the, the what Andrew said, I have a little bit different vision of the whole situation. Uh, there was a bit from West Ham. And I think from what I heard, it was accepted by the club, but not by the player himself. Because he was not sure about that move. So the financial side of things was okay with Krasnodar. And like Shalimov said, just go. But um, uh, Fedor Smolov is having questions because because of his future, because of the the upcoming um, uh, World Cup, and plus also the question, the choice of the club. There were some rumors, little rumors, even about Real Madrid. I don't know how much in this is. Uh, In terms of going to Spartak, this is not going to happen. He's not going to go to Spartak. Even Daniel Fidun announced that. And the most possible outcome as of right now, or like one of the most possible outcomes, is Zenit. Yeah, like you're right, Mano. And um, to answer your question, yes, every club in Russia... Uh, regardless if they can afford the um, the player they would like to have feather Smolov, regardless of um, uh, what have uh, zenith in 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 the in in their lineup i think uh, if he goes to zenith it's a long term uh transfer like it's a long term project he will play there for a while and um, i think it's it's a very complex choice uh for uh, feather Smolov and his agent because the World Cup is coming up. Going to um, Europe—that was his dream—and he has been open about that. Yes, he wants to go to Europe and try it, but ahead of the World Cup, it's a bit risky. And that's—and uh, even going to West Ham or any other club, he—he um, he says really like there's a chance that he won't be playing, and he—he he knows he's been to Europe before. He played on loan in Feyenoord, and he knows that he will need some time to adapt to the new league, to the new, um, to the new. Um, language and also we have to keep in mind that he hasn't played football for almost a month right now mm-hmm. and all the european leagues especially if we're talking about west ham or english league they're in their top force. they just finished boxing day so he will be definitely out of form right now and he definitely will need a few weeks to adjust to the new league and to get in the form so that's why this transfer is so complicated and that's why um even he wants to go to Europe, Zenit looks like a very, very solid option because the Zenit will get, like you said, they signed Nikolai Zabalotny from Tosna. They will get rid of Archon Zuba. It pretty much looks like a done deal. And Archon Zuba could be um, a, po- a part of that transfer, uh, which includes further small of the way Zenit wants to do it. They want to do a straight swap plus a, add a little bit of money. And Krasnodar won- wants to do it completely uh, separate, they want to sell. Further Smolov, and they want to maybe loan or maybe buy Zuba, but they want to be at the two separate deals, not one deal a swap, two separate deals, and that really complicates the whole situation. So the whole complete situation is really messy right now because Further Smolov doesn't know what he wants to do. The the clubs which are potentially can work together, they don't really have a. Um, they are not on the same page in terms of how to do that transfer, so we would have to wait for quite a few weeks to figure out what will happen. But um, I I don't even know what will I don't even have a, like a I don't know what will happen. It's pretty much it's so complex. It's up to the players, the clubs, and his agent.
1: Yeah, swap deals are always difficult, Tim, um, because the swap deals are very hard to um, note down when it comes to the yearly budget because you're dealing with two transfer values, right? And then you have to you have to put a value on a player. And that's, you do financing a lot more than I do in, in re- everyday life, but you know how, how difficult it is when you do the budget, right? And you have to, yeah. and you have to, because you have to put a nominal value to the, the player, right? Because when it comes to the end of the year and the, the, the financing and the budgeting, especially when it comes to UEFA for fair, financial fair play, that's something very difficult to calculate. Because I guess if Sanid get it as a swap deal plus a little bit of extra money, um in terms of financial fair play, that will almost look like they 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 got him for almost nothing right because you, exactly. can't, you can't really put a value uh term of value onto the player um because that's always subjective whereas if you actually pay money, then UEFA has has a real transaction history um uh-huh. which is of course important for Krasnodar because they're also under financial fair play investigation at all times like all the Russian clubs are. And um they want to see something substantial, right? They want to see something substantial come in and then pay something substantial for Zuba so it's it's easy more easy to track. So that's an interesting point that you make there. And I can I can see that why that is messy uh in, in terms of getting this transfer through because, you know, swap deals are always very, very difficult for that reason. Um as for West Ham, I find that rumor really interesting because we talked about this yesterday, Andrew. Um, on the Liga MX podcast, the Colazzo podcast that we do, because of Chicharito, and uh, the, there is rumors that he's Chicharito is going to leave in the winter and head to either Mexico or Liga uh, MLS because he seems to be very unhappy at West Ham, and that would completely open the door for um, someone like Smolov to come in. They the two are very different forwards, I I think personally, I think they're very different forwards. I think Smolov yeah. is better suited to play in England because he's he's a bit more powerful. Chicharito is more of a um, not, I don't want to say false nine, but he's not, um, he's not that powerful forward, right? So it's, that's an interesting development. And I could see, um, depending on what happens to West Ham, because there's a whole bunch of tangibles that take place right now because West Ham need to sell players in order to buy. And they, there's, of course, the Reece-Oxford story that we track over at Gegenpressing. So if Reece-Oxford gets sell, sold to Gladbach, that would be an €11 million Euros available right there. If Chicharito goes to MLS, that would be for the money available right there. And I I can see all of this going in various different directions. And, you know, maybe to finish off the West Ham story, Andrew, you follow the English Premier League more than anyone else. They definitely need a striker, don't they?
3: Well, they they certainly need a consistent striker. Anyway, I mean, West Ham have bought a quite astonishing number of strikers in the last ten years. I, I can't, I, I don't remember the exact number, but it, it averages at about having bought three or four strikers every season, and very few, if any, have actually been consistent at all. Um, and yeah, like you say, Chicharito, I I never really thought West Ham was the right move for him anyway. But um, I think. If he goes, then they have to they have to replace him. Uh, and like you say, I actually do agree. I think Smolov's physical and um, mental attributes would lend himself well to the Premier League. Um, I personally hope he doesn't go to West Ham simply because I just think they're a car crash of a club. And um, with a relatively cautious manager like David Moyes in charge, I worry that um, Smolov would be asked to turn into more of a... Well, I, I know it sounds a bit of a strange term term to use, but a defensive forward, if that makes sense, you know, mm. working hard, pressing too much with his back to goal too much. Um, but anyhow, um, yeah, if, if it's maybe as a stepping stone, it could be a good move. But he's getting a bit late in his career to use a stepping stone club. But mm. who knows? Maybe that's the maybe that's what he'll end up thinking. The appeal of London is an obvious one. But yeah, I mean, certainly West Ham would do well out of that move, Smolov. I, I'm on, I'm on the, on the fence on this one really for him whether it's a good or bad move, but I'm not so sure it's likely to happen simply because the interest was there, the bid was there, like, like Tim, Tim said as well, and if it's, if it, if it's all gone quite relatively quickly, I'm, I'm just marginally surprised, but anyway, certainly could do with him.
1: No well, we'll that's I guess we'll put this under the wait and see category and note down as Senate being the favourite to land him in the end of the day. With autumn tuber going the other way, but uh, we'll, we'll keep we we'll keep an eye on it. The, the January window is always exciting times, and lots of things can happen. And it's not over until the final clock strikes, I believe, on December uh, on January thirty first, or is it February first? When does the window close in Russia. Is it is it the same than in the rest of Europe? Isn't it
2: January thirty first? No, no,
3: it's different. Of, it's, is it twenty third of February? I think it is something like that.
2: So even if the deal doesn't happen in January, that means that. The transfer still could happen in February with him going to Zenit.
1: But you have to remember there is a date, a final date for UEFA to register your players, which yeah, I yeah, believe yeah. is January 31st. So, you know, for Zenit to register him for Europa League, I think the deal has to be done on January 31st. So I think that's that, true. That's, that, true. that's true. that would be the deadline to keep an eye on. So, yeah, we'll, we'll keep an eye. Fido Smolov, uh, someone, someone that... Uh, Always keeps us interested, in someone who is, of course, always big news. But I, I want to stick with strikers, and uh, this is a, this is a story that you know to, to a lot of to certain extent has surprised me a bit. And this is, uh, of course, your club, um, Tim Xiluish, uh He is linked with a move to Brighton. Now he hasn't exactly shot out the lights in for for Spartak this season. T- uh, ten games, two goals, six assists um not exactly fantastic numbers yet brighton are uh, offering 20 million euros i believe to to sign him i mean uh, i could see sparta jumping on this opportunity to sell him but at the same time there isn't there doesn't seem to be a done deal or even close to a done deal and sparta are even trying to keep him what's the latest on that <laughs>
2: Uh, well you 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 absolutely right the the 20 million comes from his buyout clause from what i understand that's his buyout clause and that's why um this number is around 20 million uh dollars and spartak wants to keep keep him and they say listen if you want to buy him pay out the buyout clause um and i'm not sure if an english club prepared i don't know maybe english club i don't know how much money they have especially brighton i don't really know much about uh, their financial situation but um pretty much to me it looks like the Spartak will go for it only if it will be a buy a buyout close, which is 20 million. Um, as a like from his perspective, of obviously that's a brilliant move of playing in England, and yeah, it's it's good for him. So on, if I was in his shoes, I would probably you know try to go. As a Spartak fan, I don't want him to go to he's such a key player. And even if you said that he wasn't he didn't play that much uh, this year, uh, he had an injury and it was a weird injury. It was like something pulled muscle in his in his stomach. But I also heard that um, he has some issues like um, with his uh, daughter's health back home and that's been a big part that that has been going on for uh, for a year right now and I know it's very very hard on him because he lives in Russia, he plays in Russia he makes money in Russia but his heart is back home because his daughter is having some health issues and that has been a really really big um, psychological problem for him, and like he, he, the club doesn't really talk about it. I know he doesn't want to talk about it, but people heard because he goes sometimes back and forward just to visit uh, the daughter, and uh, so that's why that's why he hasn't been playing that much because of the injuries and because of that situation. So if we stay away from that whole situation, he is a very important player for Spartak. He's the key player, like the uh, the trio of, of, of forwards Zaluish Luis Adriano and promise is the best striking uh, in the Russian league. He's part of that. So he's a key player for us. And I really don't want him to leave. But at the same time, again, like I think, I think the deal is fairly unlikely just because Spartak wouldn't sell him less for than 20 millions. And I don't, I don't think that is worth 20 millions.
1: Yeah. I, I would say 20 million is a lot of money uh, for the for Um The question of course is Andrew, if Brighton and we're talking English Premier League, so the the money is always silly, um, even for teams that have been newly promoted. I assume Andrew that Brighton could spend that kind of money on shea Louis. The question, of course, is: Do they want to, or do they need to?
3: Well, I mean, to be honest with you, Brighton uh, they certainly could do with a a proven goalscorer, and actually. I I mean I hear what Tim's saying about Zay Luis being uh, an important part of the the forward line and I I certainly certainly second that. I think he's a I think he's a very very good player. I think he's underrated in a way because a lot of people judge him seem to be judging him anyway purely on statistics because he doesn't yeah. he hasn't actually got a cracking scoring rate but I really do think if he was bought by Brighton he would be the main striker and he'd be in the team every every week he'd be the focal point i actually think he would score quite quite well in the english premier league um i mean could brighton spend that much money on him well they they haven't they haven't spent a lot of money in the past simply because they're not a huge club and they've only just been promoted uh, to the premier league of course they spent um something like 10 million euros on a goalkeeper matt ryan from valencia in the summer um and a 20 million it would be a big outlay for them um but i mean if they if the interest is genuine then i think there could be some legs in the transfer but it's it's like um it's like tim says uh, about say Luis, he i mean actually in today's today's world i'd say 20 million is is probably not far off for him probably isn't worth quite that much in reality but you know we're not talking about reality we're talking about modern football here um and <laughs> You know, if I'd say actually it would be a good deal all round because for 20 million, um, that's a lot of money for Spartak. And yeah, yeah it would be a big miss, Tim. Um, I absolutely agree with you on that. But I think he's the sort of player that without being rude to him, you probably could replace him um, or reinvest that money you know, elsewhere somehow. Um, you know, Luis Adriano, if, if, a lot would then depend on promise. Um, would Quincy promise stay would that persuade Quincy promise to leave perhaps if he thinks well they're selling some of my fellow forwards and maybe that shows lack of ambition in his eyes at least would that persuade promise to go who knows um so if promise stayed i think you'd be able to cope with it but uh I'd, I'd say the dutchman is the key to whether that would be a good deal or not
1: yeah i think the the, the big question is of course too um we have to remember um, Spartak are still in the Europa League, right? And that's a competition where they really want to go deep in. And, and Tim, you know, if you sell Xi uh, for 20 million euros, you will have to bring in a player of equal caliber. You will have to sign a forward in the winter, which is always very difficult, right? And like
2: like Fedor Smolov, for example.
1: Like Fedor Smolov, for example. <laughs> um, other than Fedor Smolov, is there any talk about bringing in another forward?
2: Yeah, there was the the talk, and I mentioned it on the previous POC and uh, pod, and that was going for a few weeks right now. Uh, Tumasi from Astana, you know him, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, Tumasi. He's also linked with a bunch of uh, Bundesliga sides. Uh, St- uh, yes, yeah, so, Stuttgart, for example, are very interested in him.
2: Wow. Uh, uh, but but yeah, like he, he's not really like for like replacement would be for Zaluish because he's more like a replacement for Promise because he plays the same kind of uh, role. Uh, but that's 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 it on the on these in terms of strikers rumors on Spartak, and um, yeah, we have to see what will happen to Promise. I think at this point it's it's unlikely that he will leave, but there's always a chance because um, Coutinho left and uh, to to Barcelona, and Promise has been left with Liverpool, so that kind of helps. But I still think and hope that Promise will stay um, for a little bit longer in Spartak because he said it privately and he said it publicly that he is happy. He is happy in Spartak, and he said it many times. He is happy in his life in Moscow. He's happy with the style of play he's playing, where he's playing. Uh, he says he only wants to leave to big club. And Spartak says that they can only get him if they uh, use uh, the buyout clause, and the buyout clause is 30 million for Europe and 50 million for China. So again, like a big club would have to come up with this amount of money and just um, activate the buyout clause. Mm -hmm. Liverpool have money right now, but um, given promises performance in Champions League, especially against Liverpool, would they be interested? Question mark.
1: Yeah, that's a big question mark, and I know because our 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 lines to LFC are always hot. <laughs> and uh, the, the latest is, this is what I heard yesterday. They are considering their options. They are looking through the various players that they have looked to in the past. And apparently the word is the player that they are trying to get to sign as their new number 10 is someone that is not in the press. And uh, going by that... Quincy promise has been linked with them in the past. I, I would assume that it isn't Quincy promise. Um, it makes me happy, <laughs> but it, it it's always the knock on effect, right? And this is this is something that we have to always consider. You know, um, a transfer like Coutinho, and um, we're talking about what was it in the end? A hundred and. 40 million Six. euros. or Was it 160 million euros? It's a lot of money. <laughs> we're, in the, we're, we're firmly established in the 100 plus million uh, euro era now in world football. There's, this money has a trick on effect, right? Because now Liverpool will go and spend that money on someone, somewhere, right? That will create a hole in some club, somewhere, somewhere in Europe. Who then will also try to fill that hole a player some at some club somewhere in Europe and that makes January um, all of a sudden very interesting we have January ninth right now 5 p.m. we have another 21 days of this guy boys and uh, <laughs> you know th- I was saying this I think there was a big story that broke a um, few days before for before New Year's and Uh, I was thinking it's like the transfer window hasn't even opened yet and we're already talking about all these kind of deals and Liverpool aren't the only club that are interested in Quincy promise right Andrew I mean there's the, the other one that's always always talked about is Everton and what's the latest on that do you know anything?
3: Well, i i don't see i don't see the Everton move if the, if there is one indeed happening until they've offloaded at least two or three more of their players, but they are actively looking to do that. Um, Umar Nias is uh, likely to be on the way out. Uh, David Class, and they signed for twenty five million last summer. Um, yeah, a former Ajax captain and he's basically flops completely whether that's his fault whether the manager's not used him correctly I, I haven't watched him directly closely enough but the point is that he is seen as dispendable nowadays now if they were to sell Klaassen and get some money back for um, for Nias then they would have enough probably between those two transfers to table a reasonable bid for him but I and this is, might just be my gut instinct, but I don't see it really happening for a number of reasons. But one of them simply being that they will probably now have a slight distrust of the Russian league because, I mean, mm. Umar Nias yes, I thought was a very good transfer, 30 million even two years ago, when 18 months ago, whenever he joined, was actually I think a reasonably. Reasonably good value, but he's just not worked out for them. He's scored a few goals this season, but he's he's seen as a as a, a basically as a failure, which I think is very unfair on him. Um, but on the other hand, promise does have the advantage of international European reputation. Um, so I mean, in summary, I'd say I very much doubt he'll move to Everton. Liverpool, I could see as a move, and I think it would be a brilliant move for them because you know he you couldn't you'd imagine he'd go for. But promise would go for not much more than £40, 40 million maybe. Um, and I'd say Sparta could be lucky to get that much, perhaps. Um, and that's great value. Um, and bear in mind, you mentioned the Coutinho money. They have spent half of that already on Virgil van Dijk, but that still leaves um, 60 70 million, effectively, for Liverpool to spend already. So I think there's a lot of legs left in that. But whether it will happen... I'll have to wait and
1: see. Was the virtual fantastic money? Yeah, uh, this, this is a slightly off topic, but I thought that was earmarked from last summer. Um, and the, well,
3: I mean, I, I'm I'm sort of loosely saying that simply uh, because it's happened happened now. Whether it's it is included in the budget for last summer, I more in-depth Liverpool experts will have to answer that one. Yeah. But I think. Um, the fact that the transaction has happened now, I don't know quite how rigid um, uh, FFP is with exactly when transactions go through. I would imagine that mm. they would probably want to be careful before spending 140 million on top of the Virgil van Dyke money, but anyway, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. The point is that yeah. there is money there, for them, uh, and I think it will make a lot of sense all around.
1: It's definitely within the calendar year, Andrew. Uh, this is this is where PSJ tried to cheat a little bit the system uh, with you know signing uh, uh, signing with Mbappe right um, they signed him on loan and then uh, tried to argue that the deal wasn't completed till next year and then UEFA was like well we'll see about that so this is this is actually a deal that's still investigated so it's it's a tricky one but I believe the virtual van um it doesn't matter if you sign him in the summer or in the winter it will be within the uh, within the season. Right, so within the and UEFA uses a five-year uh, kind of like the five-year coefficient, and they use that uh, to determine how much money was spent and how much money went out, and that's how financial fair play works. So yeah, it's it's an interesting point, and I think you know I think there is enough money to spend o- on a number ten for LFC. We'll see who that will be and what kind of impact that will have, and um, you know how that will affect not only this podcast but all the other podcasts that we have because <laughs> i i think uh, in the next 20 22 days or so we'll be very busy um discussing all the stuff that's resulted out of continue same same if it was the case with neymar right uh, when neymar was sold to psg that had a huge impact on borussia dortmund which had a big impact on football grad which had a big impact on all the <laughs> stuff because like was good, that, yeah, then? Yeah. Exactly, Yamolenko was part of that chain uh, of the dominoes that fell. So we'll have to see how the dominoes fall this time. But I, I want to stick with Spartak, Tim, because you are about to sign a new defender and that is that is something that is about time. Um, a Brazilian, by the, by the sounds of it. Uh, tell us, who is it and what do we need to know about him? Exactly,
2: that's a fairly... Um, a uh, new rumor has been going for probably a week or so. Um, uh, this transfer is linked with uncertainty with uh, the future contract of Sirdar Taski, mm. who has been our main uh, central defender. But he, uh, you, as you know, uh, Manu, he, he's German, but he has uh, roots, uh, Turkish, Turkish uh, background. And he had quite a few offers from, from Turkey. And from what I understand, he had an offer from Trabzonspor uh, where he can make... Uh, even more money than he makes Spartak. I think he's on two and something million. Like he has a very good contract mm-hmm. here. He gets even a, another contract from an offer from Tramzon Sport. I don't know how much. Truth isn't that, but those are the rumors. So that's why Spartak has been looking for central defenders. Uh, they they, talk, they spoke to Roman Neustetter in the end of the year. Looks like this didn't move forward, and now they switched to a new target, which is a, a Brazilian defender from Santos. His name is Verissimo. He is a significantly tall Brazilian uh, defender, who again looks like it's like we talked about domino's effect. Again, it's strictly linked to the situation of the uh, Serdar-Taski contract. And um, so that move... Like we have right now uh, Georgi Djike, which is a Russian national player and he became the leader of Spartak defense. Um, he plays right now with uh, Serdar-Taski and they have two backups, um, hmm. Kutiepov and Salvatore Baketi. So it's a good combination in terms of uh, the, the limit, uh, one Russian, one foreigner player. So if one foreigner players would leave... Um, it kind of would make sense to replace it with the foreign players, and at the same time, if needed, they have Kutiepov if they need to have two Russian players. So, it's again, it's, it's a deal which is an interesting one um, f- for Spartak fans. Um, we will see, we would have to see, wait and see what will happen. But apparently, today is the final uh, stage of the conversation between the Spartak and Verissimo's agent, and if they come to conclusion, um, the transfer. Will start happening, so today is the deal, and in the next couple of weeks we will update the listeners on what's happening with uh, this transfer
1: so yeah, from what I've seen is it's eight million euros right for Verissimo um,
2: so, yeah I heard something like that in that figure
1: from FC Santos uh, that's an interesting year uh, I mean you know signing a Brazilian and uh, when it comes to Brazilians, especially in eastern europe it's it's always key to to have a bunch of them, it seems. And for 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 Spartak, uh, they have I mean they have recently signed Luis Adriano, Pedro Rocha from uh, Grêmio, right? They already have Fern- Fernando in the squad as well. So you know, and
2: Zaluis, so he hears yeah, out to them. He speaks, speaks Portuguese. So. He speaks
1: Portuguese, and uh, of course, you know that that helps quite a bit. Sort of so to keep um, to keep a bunch a group of them together is seems to be key, and that's that's what and Donetsk have done. Uh, for many many years and we will talk about Shachter Donetsk in a few moments because you know they are also of course we're talking about knock on effects on this part quite a bit. They they there is knock on effects on Shachter as well. But uh it would make sense to bring in a Brazilian mm-hmm. to, to sort of keep this uh the, the composition of the squad, the the way they are designed right now. It's it's a bunch of Russians and yeah. uh Quincy Promise. And then a bunch of Portuguese-speaking players. And so um, it, it's, a, it's a smart thing to do. I mean, you, you know, we, we talked so much about Zenit. And Mancini was quite right saying, well, if, you, if we do sign foreigners, we might as well just sign five or six of them so that they feel comfortable. And they, they went out and bought half of Argentina. And uh, <laughs> so it kind of makes sense. And I mean, um, when you look, and Andrew, we've talked about Fernando. I remember last year, ab- about a year ago, I mean, the, the, the way we, we really loved the way he was playing and how big of a key he was in the squad. Um, bringing in another Brazilian who couldn't be integrated quite easily makes a lot of sense, doesn't it?
3: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, don't forget, the, probably the... the best example in the in the football grad sphere of, of this sort of move is uh this sort of habit is Shakhtar Donetsk and I mean I'm not saying Spartak will go quite as far into the Brazilian market and extensively as that but it shows that there are benefits to doing it yeah I agree with you I think um I, I admit I haven't seen I haven't seen this player play so I can't comment on how how good he is but you know the the stock of Brazilian players I mean, I wouldn't say regardless of ability, but um, the fact that they are Brazilian means that they are always marketable. So even if it is just as a a business move and to sell him on later on, well, fair play, you know, why not? But if it engenders a comfortable atmosphere for Portuguese speakers, yeah, absolutely. Um, And, you know, future Brazilian talents, Portuguese speaking talents, We'll look at Spartak and start to think, well, this is a place where you know my compatriots go. Maybe that will sway one or two future moves that will be more, well, longer lasting. So yeah, yeah, sensible tactic. Um, Nothing to be sniffed at.
1: No, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. Well, with that, I want to conclude Spartak. Sorry, Tim, we'll have to move on. There's other teams (laughs) in that league. Um, I go to, this is going to be quite a big topic because I look at my list and all the names and everything that's on there. Uh, Ruben Kazan, Uh, Ruben, Ruben Kazan, a bit of an odd one. Well, let's, let's start with the first one. That's a breaking, actually, as we started the pod, this story broke. Ruben Kazan have sold Moritz Bauer for 6 million euros to Stoke City. Now, um, I just tweeted out jokingly saying that that basically finances uh, Ruben Kazan's budget for the next five years. That's, of course, an exaggeration. That's not quite true. It's it's a lot of money for a player that they desperately wanted to get rid of. Um, Tim, this is good news for Ruben, isn't it?
2: It is very good news uh, yeah, for them, because we, uh, just to give our listeners an update on what's happening, um, when um, the last time um, uh, Rubin signed the new coach uh, last season, um, Gracia, Javi Gracia from Spain, they really uh, went out and spent lots of money. They gave him a big contract, they, uh, they signed a lot of uh, players on big contracts, and the goal was to make it to Europe and the money they make from Europe uh, for financial fair play to break even. They didn't get to Europe, so they were, for financial player play, they were really, really in in, in a serious situation. Um, so what they decided to do, okay, so we need to sell off. Um, Kurban, Kurban Berdyev came into the club. They decided to sell off all those high-paid uh, international players. And we're talking about Bauer, Rachina, Villa, Song, uh, Listien. And um, so this is what they've been trying to do for the past six months. They've been urgently trying to sell those players. And that's why we we heard so many rumors about the club about those players, and they've been linked to every single possible club they can. They were just really wholesaling those players. So this is the first official sale which happened, Bauer to Stoke. And Andrew will probably give us a little bit more info on on, on that if that's a good fit. But um, yeah, this was the situation, and they we can expect maybe not all those players, but hopefully majority of those players to be in sold, so Rubin can break even on this financial fair play situation and really try to you know to like to break even and all those players which i named bauer Rachina, Listien, v and song they're not in a training camp uh rubin started their training camp and they have only four internationals cesar navas saktash karadeniz and Azmun. those are the favorites by kurban Berdiev. he's not gonna sell them off uh, but he's trying to sell off the other f- foreigners
1: yeah, and so, so Bauer is an interesting player because you know he's Austrian's worst. He plays for Austria's national team, and um, is I mean he was he did get plenty of playing time. It's just that Bedev really is trying to streamline the squad, right? Do what he did at Rostov and uh, narrow it down and make it probably also a lot more Russian than it is currently. Because when I look at this, look at this uh, Rubin side, uh, it's it's very heavily unbalanced. There's eleven foreigners in the squad, uh, which is lot considering the limit right so I I can see him trying to just trying to narrow this down as much as possible and um, there's always an asterisk Bauer, Bauer is sold that's a done deal we know this is going to happen but when he went to a club that was not linked to him that that's one of the things that we have to keep in mind so if you open the news and you say that your club is linked to a player Ruben Kazan don't necessarily believe it because Ruben is so desperate to sell these guys that there will be links thrown left, right, and center, you know, until someone bites. So, uh, if your club is linked to Rochina, Nestian, Mvila, or Song, uh, chances are five or six other clubs will be too because this is the agents playing and throwing around names. Um, There is, is, in fact, all these players will go on and be sold, but, you know, for now, if you see a link, uh, watch it a little bit. This is Ruben Kazan trying to do a fire sale. But, Bower now it's Stoke. Um I saw a tweet, Dave Hendricks, big guy who, who we have uh, you know, was over at Anfield Index, he's saying Stokes finally signed the right back. Is is that the situation there, Andrew? did where they that desperate to find a right back.
3: Well, I mean basically yes. I mean they they, they do have Glenn Johnson on their books who is uh, he's basically not been able to get in the team because he's well, he's thirty-three years old. He's only I think he's only played two or three games a season. I barely I'd always forgotten that he was a stoke player until um until I checked earlier today. Um <laughs> but they've been playing uh they've been playing some some young guys recently, uh Tom Edwards and Josh Tyman at fullback. Um they've not been playing regularly all season, but they've been in the team recently. Um and last month, well, Mark Hughes has now been fired as Stoke manager. But, you know, when he was still in charge, he said, well, we might, the wording he used was, we might have to use Glenn Johnson. Now, I mean, he has his critics, but he is an England international. He's, he is an experienced player. Um, and the fact that he was saying we're going to have to use him tells you really that they're most, they're the only senior right back in the squad is not not in favour. So, um has definitely made a good move for himself because Stoke are low down in the table, but they do have, they do have enough quality in their squad to avoid relegation with the right guidance. Um, and don't forget, they've got players, the quality of Jerdan um Ibrahim Afale is in the squad. Um, Miram Duf up front, Jose uh, up front, you know, former Real Madrid player, Bruno Martins, indeed. They do have good players. So, if he joins that squad, he will fill a very important role in the defence and he won't have that much competition at the moment. So, um, yeah, pretty, pretty important signing for Stoke, really.
1: Yeah, that's that's an interesting signing for sure. Uh, we'll, we'll wish him the best of luck because I think, uh, you know, playing for Stoke, uh, I, I guess he is kind of used to the relegation battle a little bit, isn't he? Because when you look at the table in russia um ruben kazana 11th now that sounds pretty good but remember russia only has 16 teams and 13 and 14 and fifteenth and 16 spots are the relegation zone 13 and 14 of course in the playoffs and uh 15 16 straight down now ruben are only two points ahead of amka perm we don't know what's actually a little side story we don't know if amka perm actually can continue in the second half of the season because they have run out of money this is the same old story with budgets, etc. We spoke about this a while ago on a pod, so listen back to that. But yeah, it looks like uh, we don't know if Amka Kepem will actually finish the season. But let's pretend they do. Um, that means that's only two points between Amka Pem and Ruben Kazan. Now, Bediev is doing an operation on the open heart in the middle of the season, shuffling the squad. That's risky, isn't it, Tim? Because two points is not a, lot of cu- not a big cushion um, to the drop zone.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with you. They're like in this um, unfortunate position because before the beginning of the season, everyone was saying, OK, so uh, Kurban Birdiv is back at Rubin Kazan and Rubin Kazan will be at least um, it's striking for, for Europe. But as you say, they're 11th, only two points from the relegation playoff. Uh, but at the same time, we have to keep in mind that then um, Kurban Birdiv arrived Um, To Rubin Kazan, uh, we need to remember that the summer break is fairly short in Russia. And plus that whole situation with financial fair play, he was not sure um, which players will go. And which players he can still use. And it was a little bit of a mess. Not a little bit. It was a mess before he joined the club. So right now, he I think he figured it out. He doesn't want to use those expensive players, which we just went through. He will stick with his core, like he did if, uh, in Rostov. And now he has a few months to get them uh, straight. So I think Rubin will be safe in the end and maybe they will even get closer to the europe uh, but um, uh, obviously they're underperforming based on the expectations which they had in, in the beginning of the season but um, like i said i think kurban Birdiv is one of the best if not the best coaches in russia or, i mean russian coach he i think he will get it get it right uh, and good for him that he has time he has a couple mm-hmm. months they're not in in europe and uh, he has pretty much three months and people been saying especially players especially defenders he actually walks them hand to hand and he shows them there they need to be so right now he has three months to walk his players around the field and do all the tactical training with his um mm-hmm. beloved and uh, trusted players so i think they should be fine even there right now in unfortunate in a tough situation
1: yeah yeah and you, you mentioned something very big there um Kumbedev is, of course, a tactical mastermind, right? So tactics is a big thing. The summer break is very short. The winter break is when they do all the big work, right? So we'll yeah. see, I think we'll see a very different Ruben Kazan side than we all will see in, in the second half of the season. So, yeah, I think you're quite right. I think they will be all right. Um, boys, I want to move on to a guy, Vladimir Gabolov, who uh, has probably made the move of his life. Oh, you know, he's won the lottery. He's 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 done it. Uh, he's left Arsenal Tula uh, to join Club Bruges in Belgium. Um, Andrew, this is this is a fantastic move for a goalkeeper in the twilight of his career. You know, it's a story keeper who's moved around quite a bit. Big move for him. Um, we were saying off pot... This, this could be the opportunity for him to actually win a league title, Brusia first in, in Belgium and um, it looks also like they want to they brought him in to play him because they sold their number one keeper just before they brought him in.
2: Want natural, healthy looking shine and voluminous curls and waves that make you look like you just stepped out of a salon? It's easy with Conair Jumbo and Super Jumbo Hot Rollers. These 12 ceramic flocked rollers heat up in just 85 seconds, and because they're infused with ceramic, they transfer heat evenly for big, bouncy, long lasting curls. Twice the flocking of competitive products means more heat protection. Wire clips ensure a secure hold. Makes a great gift for yourself or someone special. Go to conair.com for jumbo and super jumbo hot rollers now.
0: It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right?
3: Well, it's it's absolutely stunning. Um, I mean, he, he's either got the best agents of all time, or uh, <laughs> just simply got got very very lucky. I mean, yeah, we were we were comparing the merits of of playing in in Tula and playing in one of the most beautiful cities in Europe, and uh, with all the breweries and the architecture um, uh, in in Bruges. So yeah, he's certainly got himself a a nice move. But like you say, it doesn't look like it's just simply a comfort move. Um, You know, just for a a change of scenery, it really does look like he is going to play. So, um, I mean, there's so many interesting elements to this one because, I mean, I don't know what the fee was or even if there was a fee, but certainly it won't be a a big headline breaker to most people. But you look at the evidence, he's 34 years old. We were saying, weren't we, he's just, hes you know, been in the Russian national team squadries and to move however much, it looks like he will play. There is a bit of a risk that, you know, he, will he have a drop in form? Will he be seen by Tichesov? And therefore, possibly, will he miss out on the World Cup squad? Um, I, I, I'm assuming, really, he's not so bothered about that because he has made a great career move from a club point of view. Um, I mean, it really came out of left field, didn't it? Mm. I don't think any of us really expected that. Um, but, uh, yeah, fair play to him. Um, and, uh, and well done, his agent.
1: Yeah, Tim. the The story is that he that he negotiated this deal himself and actually paid money so he could move. Um, this this has been a big story in Russia, not because you know because he moved for to a big club, but he moved abroad at at a relatively high age. Uh, he did this off the back of actually being nominated to the Russian national team, and he did it to a club that not very many people expected. This is something that has been turning a lot of heads there, hasn't it?
2: Absolutely. Uh, He did an absolutely uncommon thing uh, for a Russian player. Russian players are usually getting criticized for not trying uh, to go and play in Europe because they're so comfortable in in Russian league and because of the limit, uh, the foreigners limit rule, Russian players make really good money. So they they make good money, they can support their families, they can build a career um, after football and so it doesn't really make sense for them to go into something in an uncomfortable situation and make less money and also learn the new language, and also don't have any guarantees that you will be playing. So what Vladimir Gabulov has done is absolutely left field. Like nobody does that in Russia. That's why it, it attracted so many, so many, so much attention that, that transfer move. And also, like uh, we we talked a little bit about that before the pod. What Andrew said is that he has been um, in the, the third goalie. Um, in the international team he, he has been called up as a third goalie but at the same time you know he's not afraid to go to for uh to to belgium try to win a spot uh, in the starting lineup in in club bruges and um there, there's so many risks for him but at the same time he's going to a different league there's an opportunity to win the the club title maybe to play in in, in europe or even champions league next year so it's it's a very interesting move, and like you said, buying himself out of the contract. And there was also news that the president of um, of Arsenal Tula said that he called him up on his um, vacation break, and he actually spoke to him. Said, "Listen, could I please go? Please let me go. I really want to leave. Uh, not to leave. I would really want to pursue that transfer opportunity." So he he pretty, pretty much uh, politely asked. Uh, to be sold so it's um it's a very interesting transfer not the biggest one in russia but just it's it's so interesting and so unusual uh that people have been talking about it for weeks so just we wish him luck because it's something he he did, he did a brave thing as an Asseti- assetian man and hopefully he will play the rest of the season hopefully he will be um he will be in a good situation
1: and we actually got the full story up on footballgrad.com so if you want to read up on that uh Definitely do do so. It's it's a really interesting story all around. But, boys, I want to move over to Shakhtar Donetsk. We have hinted on the Brazilians. Uh, Fred, um, this is the guy who was caught for doping and uh, has sat uh, out two bans. At the same time, has been one of the most interesting midfield players in the post-Soviet space over the last two or three years, really has always spoken out and he's been linked with Manchester city on several occasions already, but he's spoken out yesterday saying if Pep Guardiola calls, uh, or oh, Pep Guardiola will call me soon to make a move happen. Um, I'm going to go with you, Andrew. I know you are red devil. Uh, I know that the, the, the <laughs> Manchester city is not exactly your club, but, uh, you being in Manchester, you know, what is the latest there? I do? I mean, I, they have Fernandinho, who plays on Fred's position, who also was signed from schachter Donetsk. actually. And there's been a lot of talks that Fernandinho, that they, they actually want to bring in Fred now, because Fernandinho is getting older, right, uh, to have him sort of as an understudy. What's your thought, thoughts on that?
3: Well, I think it makes a lot of sense. Because, uh, well, like you say, Fernandinho has been one of Manchester City's most consistent players, and he he's been good enough to survive... Pep Guardiola's revolution and still be a fulcrum of the side Um, but you know it's not just it's not just Fernandinho's Manchester City's midfield I mean that they do have one of the one of the best midfields I honestly think in world football at the moment Mm. with the attacking talents with David Silva Kevin De Bruyne even Yaya Torre is is having not exactly an Indian summer to his career but he's he's playing a role um from time to time at least uh Ilkay Gundogan well from uh, his time in Germany Manu Um, but like you say Fernandinho is 32 um, and so it makes sense to bring someone in now and not just someone but uh, Fred a proven European campaigner uh, a compatriot of Gabriel Jesus as well Um, Danilo Fernandinho you know they have a uh, and Edison the goalkeeper they have a strong Brazilian uh, spine in the squad you know like we were mentioning earlier it, it will help him settle in and it takes the pressure off him having to come in and perform straight away, which is a demand that the English media and English fans always put on players that arrive in the league. So I think actually it would be a very sensible move to make. Um, but I wouldn't say he should come in just simply as a an understudy to Fernandinho. I think he should directly challenge him. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things... The, the, the best managers have always said you strengthen when you are strong, not when you are weak and you need to, um, because that's when the pressure is off and you can you can blood players into the system. So, Fred to Fred to City would make a, a, a lot of sense. Um, I mean, what exactly the fee would be, uh, I am not entirely sure, but I imagine that in today's world, value for money would be found there. So, potentially, makes a lot of sense all around.
1: Yeah, I think there would be a, a lot of money simply because I think Schachter Donetsk know that they they are in the Champions League in the round of 16, right? They are drawn against Roma. Uh, Roma have not had the best of seasons and um, I think there's a, there's a sense at, at Donetsk, at Schachter, that they can take this Roma side and advance to the quarterfinals, which would be a huge success for this Ukrainian side and a, a lot of extra money. And they know that they could probably get a lot of money for Fred in the summer as well. So... Yeah, it'll be an interesting one to follow. I, we have we have the latest scouting report on Fred up on footballgrad.com. So you know if you wanna want check out his full story, there it, it's definitely an interesting one. He's a fantastic player. I think he he will do quite well for whoever signs him. Uh, he he brings all the good attributes with him, and he's finally playing a consistent season. You know after having two years where he had to sit out twice because of the uh, doping. Um, scandal that sort of surrounded his name a little bit uh, after being caught at the 2015 um, Cuba America. And, you know, um, he was then banned for six months, and then FIFA determined he had to sit out another six months. So, yeah, it'd be a good move for him. Um, But something to watch. I think that's something going to be something that uh, will follow us for quite some time. Uh, Final topic for today, boys, is uh, Vitali Mutko. He's finally stepped down. This is, of course, something that happened before the new year, but since this is our first podcast in the new year, uh, Tim, we sort of predicted that he should step down, and that's exactly what he did. But, Andrew, it's a a bit of an odd step down because he is stepping down ahead of the World Cup from all of his roles, but it's a step down on time, right? It's not actually determined that he will uh, stay away from the game in Russia. He might be back after the World Cup is concluded bit of uh, an interesting political move isn't it
3: well it's uh, it's window dressing as far as i can say it's posturing it's say uh, i'm actually fairly angry at the move because the I, I don't see i mean it was it was basically impossible for him to completely avoid the, the the all of the scandal that is going on around sport given how well obviously how heavily involved he is um and this, I, I, actually, I actually understand that he's stepping down for six months and he announced that in December. So if you count forwards, that means he'll be back in time for the World Cup anyway, which is just utter, an utter joke. I mean, what does it matter if he's not in position for six months before the World Cup and then he's right back for the big one itself? That's what he wants to be there for. Um, I expect him to be in position as if nothing had basically ever happened by the time we get round to June. I'd be very surprised if he wasn't um so it's it's just a it's a complete waste of time it's 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 just so that the it's just so that he can be seen to be honoring the 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 i'm always too angry to say the words but to you know the the scandal that's going on he heads have to roll and it should be his in my opinion Mm -hmm. um so I, i i'm just i'm basically i'm furious about it
1: yeah, Tim. How do you see that? I mean, it is a step down from time. The way I understand it is, he's he's given up his role to organize the World Cup and then given it to uh, the second in command. Uh, what's the reaction been like in Russia about this?
2: Well, the reaction has been kind of like you know everyone makes sense. Um, it's more political because like some really people who have like the Russian a little bit more patriotic views they say that. You know all those sanctions against the the Olympics. It's 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 a political thing. It's against Russia. People on the other side who are a little bit more have different views. They say, okay, you can't really you know use doping, and whoever was in charge has to be the the headster has to you know to go. And um, but it definitely was a big topic. And uh, and in general, Podgora has very very negative um outcome in terms of just like how people see him and um but at the same time i just <laughs> i just read the news and he was uh, named as um, as a new leader of the um tourist um world tourist organization in oon so he like what like so what happened he has been sacked from one role. But he has been given another role, and this is even with all that negative thing. What happened? It's a smaller role, obviously, because it's some I don't even know what it is, but it's some kind of organization, something organizing. But this is just Russia in a nutshell. The person who has so much uh, negative reaction on what he's done, and he really let the country down. Has been given a new position in 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 sports government. So it's it just it just it just it just it just Russia in a nutshell. So. Um, yeah uh, there's there's a new person uh, who is instead of um, uh, Mutko his name is uh, Alexei Sarokin. he will be he it looks like he was his second right uh, like right hand man and he's fulfilled the role he will be the new guy who will be leading the the Russian organization and of course uh, Medvedev said that he will he will receive the full support from the government so it's it's Russia uh, I have really nothing much to say, I'm used to it, it's it's welcome to Russia. Hopefully the World Cup will be a great success.
1: <laughs> yeah, we all hope so, that the World Cup is going to be a great success. Uh, I, I So, we're going by that, we can basically say that the, the preparations for the World Cup will go on with all the hitch. Uh, that's, that's the positive <laughs> news. It seems like it's an easy transition. Well, boys, uh, unfortunately we're out of time. Uh, I think this is the, the only positive news we have when it comes to the, the, the Mutko thing is World Cup preparations are continuing with all the problem. Um, let's take that away from it, don't we? But Andrew, as I have to wrap this up, uh, you're still in England. And uh, from what I've seen on your Twitter feed, you're quite busy. You wrote a fantastic article for Fußballstadt as well and Henrich Mechitarien. What else have you been up to and where can people find you?
3: Well, yeah, I mean, I'd tell you what, I'm most looking forward to is, um, well, in the meantime, while waiting for the domestic season to continue, is uh, looking into the pre-season training camps, seeing what players are coming and going. But um, yeah, I'll be, I'll be doing my football grad stuff as usual, doing previews when it comes round to European games. Um, but yeah, on Twitter at Andrew M I J Flint, and yeah, I hope you're doing podcasts with other. Other podcasts as well, um, highlighting the good parts about Russian football and previewing the World Cup itself. So hopefully very busy.
1: Yeah, awesome stuff. And Tim, where? what about you? What have you been up to? Are you still busy with your rock band?
3: Exactly. It was
2: very, very busy. We played a very big show in Vancouver and we released two new super hits. Uh, if listeners, for some reason, are interested, uh, they can find it on rocketfromrussia.bandcamp.com. Uh, there's two great songs which we just produced, and they're available for a free download. And uh, they can follow me on Russian Tim61 on Twitter.
1: Yeah, please do so. I I got to listen to those songs. Good good stuff, Tim. Good stuff. Maybe one of these days we have Thank to we have to get you to produce a new introduction song for Football Grass Podcast. <laughs> uh And follow on Russian. Uh, that's that's maybe <laughs> something for the new season. Oh, but until then, guys, um thank you very much for listening. And um I've been your host, Manuel Weff, As always, you can find me at Manuel f and you can find this podcast, all the other podcasts that we do, uh, articles, etc., at Football Grad Life. And um, we are also on iTunes. So if you like what we do, leave us a rating, give us five stars because I think we deserve them, and uh, tell us. Tell us, give us feedback too and we always love feedback and we love uh, to hear from you in general. So if you have any questions, etc, shoot us one uh, on Twitter. Well, until next time, Das Vidannya.